Although I was gone the last two Sundays, um, I, we were only gone eight days, really. Um, we weren't gone two weeks. Probably could have used another week in there. Um, but our, it's, it's always good to be back. It's, it's always good to be back. You know, when we're gone, it's like, we need that. Everybody needs that little break. But then when you you miss it, it's like, okay, it's good to be back. And you guys know us. When we go on vacation, it's always a journey. There's always a couple of stories to share. There's always probably maybe a sermon illustration or two. I don't know. There are sights to see. Miniature golf is typically involved in all of our vacations. Food, maybe a night of skip bow, playing some cards. More food. This year's Olympics too. Got to watch some Olympics. And hiking. You guys know I love the outdoors, so I always, always got to get out and get a couple good hikes in. Um, but I don't know if you noticed that, and this is what I discovered, that when life is good, and it's just like, this is, this is just good, something always comes up and disrupts the good. You know what I'm saying? Something always disturbs the peace. Something always sort of interrupts your life, and it's like, it was going so good. And then this happened. You know what I'm talking about? For us, that was a week ago Thursday night on vacation. We were having a great vacation. It's been a great week. Friday morning, we we're going to get up. The boys and I, we we're going to go for this long hike, a 12-mile hike, tallest mountain in the Gatlinburg area. I was pretty psyched up about it. It's like, last time we came, we didn't complete it. We're going. And the last time, when the boys were little, they, were too, they couldn't do it. We're doing it. I was so excited. So I'm Thursday night, and, um, you know, we're out on the deck and out looking the mountains. And it's like, yeah, tomorrow I'm climbing that, you know. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom and it's like the cabin behind us decided they're going to have a house party or a cabin party. Actually, the music was so loud, it was a mountain party, okay. I mean, it was loud, and it wasn't just loud. It was a music style that I, it's not on my top ten list to listen to, okay? And there was foul language. I mean, clear as a bell. It's like, ooh, ah, you know. And then, and did I mention it was loud? And so much for a peaceful evening on the deck. We'll just go inside. We'll go inside, turn on the Olympics, and maybe we can still hear the music inside. Like, really? This is going to be a late night. Maybe they'll turn it off at 11 or something. I don't know. Finally, I cashed in, turned a fan on in the bedroom, trying to make some noise, go to bed, drown out. You know, my boys, uh, my one son said, Dad, it was till 4 o'clock in the morning. I had a hard time sleeping. I'm going, ooh, it's going to be a rough hike for you today, son, right? So we, uh, we went hiking. Had a great day. Uh, but then as we got back that afternoon to relax and chill, it's like, all right, time to just sit on the deck, grab a cup of coffee. You all know coffee is good any time of the day, by the way. Okay, just making sure. Okay. And uh, just look out over the mountain. It's like, that's what a climb. You know, so we're just sitting there and just enjoying this. And then all of a sudden, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, boom, boom, and then the music's back. I'm like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Come on. When you have a cabin and you're in the middle of nowhere, you expect some what? Peace and quiet. Not a house party or a mountain party, Right? And so there it goes again. And I stewed for the next hour. I'm like, mm -mm, you know, and I was like, there's nothing I could do. I mean, called the cabin owner, called the police, out of jurisdiction, sheriff can't do it. I was calling everybody. I was like, who can I call to, to bring it down a couple of decimals? You know what I'm saying? And I was sort of frustrated. So, you know, it's like I went inside, 
Try to turn the TV on again, bring up the volume, watch some more Olympics or something. And again, this is just me, right? Well, time to go. In. Let's go into town and eat. Let's get out of here. So as we're going into town, getting ready to go into town, again, the humanity of this pastor. Uh, as I'm walking out of the cabin, going to the van, it's so loud. And, and there's certain swear words that I don't like. I mean, I don't like any of them. But there's one that is just, it's just wrong. It should never be used. You know, and boom, there it was, crystal clear for the whole mountain here. And I lost my cool. Now, in my mind, in my defense, I'm pretty sure I said, please turn that music down. I'm pretty sure that's what I said. My family will testify to the fact that's not what I said. It was more along the lines, and this is what they said. I'm tired of that crap. Turn that stupid music off. Now, the word that I used sounded like the style of music they were using, which probably sent off some racial tension as well, maybe. But in my justification for my anger, I was just being Jesus in the temple. Because that was my holy ground, okay? And they had turned it into a den of thieves with their loud music. And so I was just, I was just righteously angry, right? That's how I'm going to justify this. I didn't say, I, I said what I said, and I think my whole family was like, and I go to the van, I get in, everybody gets in, pull out as I'm driving. In my mind, I'm going, when I come back, there's going to be beer cans and bottle glasses and wine. Everything's going to be dropped down on our cabin and on the driveway. It's going to be a mess. There's going to be graffiti on our cabin, and I don't know if I want to come back. And it's just, just racing through my mind. That's what's going on in my mind. Well, of course, as after I said what I said, by the way, they yelled back, okay. No, they didn't do that. Okay. <laughs> Shut up. You beep, beep, beep. And it was like, oh, it was, there's a lot of people up there. And they all decided to respond. And I was like, have you ever seen the movie Brother Bear? And the goats that are up in the mountain, like, shut up. No, you shut up. They're yelling at their echo. That's what it sounded like coming up above. I was like, oh, it's the goats yelling at each other. And that was, uh, my mind goes all over the place. Sorry. So anyway, so I'm driving down in the van, and now I'm in my mind, I'm, I'm convicted. I'm convicted. You know, I was mad. And I felt bad, but I knew that as a Christian, I just blew any attempt I had to show those people love. I, I blew it. And I, and I provided a bad example to my family on how to handle conflict resolution. It was like, I, I, you know, some of you are like, no, you were justified in doing it. That's what I told myself too. But when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you on the inside and saying, hmm, you blew it. See, my, my yelling at the neighbor yeah, he agrees that. My yelling at the neighbor is nothing short of what I see a lot going on today. You know, we, 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 we judge, we, we yell, and it seems like it, it's going on a lot. It's like, I don't like what you're doing, and it's different than the way I would do it. So this is what I think, and, and, and then it gets to a yelling point. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, matter of fact, I don't agree at all with what you're doing, and so I'm going to post that. On social media, I want everybody to know that you're wrong and you're a jerk and I'm right and everybody should feel sorry for me, gain my side so I can feel like my, make myself feel better about my opinion and, and, and I'm just going to keep blasting everybody and it's, I feel like that's where we're at today. 
in life, in social media, all over the place. And I, and I felt like I was no different than anybody else as I'm driving down that road. And then it, here's the next thing that came to my mind as I'm driving. Is this honoring God? It, the way I just acted, did that really honor God? Did God's like, ha, it's about time somebody tell him because I can't do anything from up here in heaven. So Rex, good job. Way to be my hand. I don't think that's what God was thinking. I, I apologized to Jenny and the kids. I said, I handled that wrong. I, I handled it wrong. I could have done it better. The next morning, I, I woke up around 5 a.m. It's on vacation. I should be sleeping in, right? We should all sleep in on vacation. 5 a.m., I wake up. It's like, oh, okay. And I'm a light sleeper, so I try to roll back over. But you know all I hear? Music. I'm thinking, 5 a.m., music? Are you serious? Was not the previous night bad enough? So I, I can't sleep. So I'm going to go to bed. I get out of bed. So I can't, I, music, I can't sleep. That music going. So I get out. I make some coffee. Coffee's good any time of the day, especially 5 a.m. Grab my Bible. Grab my journal. I said, I just, I just need to get quiet with God. That's what I need to do. So I, I go out in the room. I got everything set. And right before I dig in, I was like, wait a minute. And I went over to the door, opened it up. Listen, there's no music playing. There never was music playing that morning. Oh, there was the day before, but not that morning. And then I had to start asking myself, was God just trying to wake me up? Was God putting music in my ears so that I would get up and spend time with him? Was God saying, Rex, you need to draw near to me right now? Because you're a little distant. And so I discovered after a couple hours of a quiet time and journaling, it was probably one of my longer mornings, that that's what that was all about. James chapter 4. Open your Bibles there, would you please? James chapter 4. When we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, it began with the encouragement and the command to what? Draw near to God. Because if you remember anything about James 4, 4, which I said was a very powerful verse, James said this, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I'll say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you've made yourself an enemy of God. Oh. And then James goes, here's how not to be an enemy of God. Draw near to him. Draw near to him. And then he laid out five commands with some follow-up. It's like, you do this, this is going to happen. And, and look at these. He's like, hey, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Come close to God. He'll come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Have genuine tears for what you've done, sorrow and deep grief. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he'll lift you up in honor. The bottom line in this, James, saying, listen, we need to draw near to God. If you're not drawing near to God, you're probably drawing near to this world. And if you're drawing near to this world, you're an enemy of God. I do not want to be an enemy of God. I want to be close to God. I want to draw near to God. And we need to make sure that things are right between us and God is what James is saying. So James says, so you good now? Are you drawing near to God? Now that you've drawn near to God, now you can start working on your relationship with others around you. 
After we get things right with God, that's what it's all about. We get things right with God, then we can get things right with others. If you're trying to get things right with others before getting things right with God, it won't work. The command is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then love others as yourself. Love God first, then we can love others. It's hard to love others if we're not drawn near to God and loving God. Look what he says in James chapter 4. We're going to pick this up, verse 11. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If, if you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. Your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? James is like, hey, you're right with God? Good. Now you've got to get it right with your neighbor. And when we're right with these other people, it's going to show by the way we speak to them, the way we talk about our neighbor. In this passage, it says, it says speak evil of your brother. That phrase, speak evil, in ancient Greek means to go off in a corner or to gather in little groups and share a bunch of information about some other people over there. Oh, that's called what? Gossip, right? The ancient times, that's called speak evil. Today, we, we talk about people all the time. Guilty, right? In ancient times, they said, that's speaking evil. James is writing these words, so you know what? Here's what happens to me as I'm preparing. I start asking questions. Hopefully you do that when you have scripture, when you read through. And here's some of those questions I started asking. When we're speaking bad of others, is that loving one another? When we slam someone in public because of their decision-making policies or their opinions, is that loving one another? I wrote this down. Am I qualified to judge others? Do we have the right to do what God, judge, is doing? Do we produce the law? Did, did we produce the law? Did we come up with the law? Do, do we go out and do we administer the law? Or do we deal the consequences? None of those are our roles, is it? Matter of fact, James says our job is what? Obey the law. If God tells us to love him, but we're not loving others, what does that tell the world about Christianity? <laughs> oh, that's the way Christianity works? You say you love God, but you treat people this way? <laughs> I don't need to be a part of your faith. I can do that on my own. God's the judge, not us. Our job is to obey the law. What law? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two greatest commands that he gave us. We're to obey them. I'm not out here to, to judge you whether or not you are obeying that law. That's not my job. My job is to encourage you, as I'm trying to encourage myself, to follow that. To, to obey that, to love God with everything I got, to love my neighbor as myself. As a Christian, I was thinking about this. See, if you're in here today and you're not a Christian, this doesn't matter to you. James is talking to the Christian brothers and sisters. He said, listen, church, it's our job, it's our duty to love God with all that we've got and to love one another. God's Spirit will lead you in doing that. James, if you look what he said in Scripture, he said this, that last part of the verse that's on the screen. What right do you have to judge your neighbor? Oh, oof. I guess I'm not the one in charge. 
I'm not, I'm not the, the, the judge, am I? You know, and I was thinking about that. Who am I to pretend that I have the right to sit at the judge's seat with the gavel in hand and proclaim judgment on everybody, right? I mean, as Christians, yes, we are to confront one another. That's biblical. Matter of fact, if there's something going on in your life or something going on in my life as a Christian, I should come to you one-on-one, as Scripture says, and bring that to your attention. Hey, man, I see what's going on in your life, right? And, and then if you don't want to receive that, if I don't receive that, we grab another person, two people come, and we encourage. Right? That's scriptural, right? We, we are to confront one another as Christians. But to judge each other? We're not supposed to be judging each other. There's, there's a difference here. And I was thinking about this as I was doing this sermon. I was like, man, there's probably about 12 rabbit holes I could go on off of this, this scripture. So i got to keep bringing it back, right? But James isn't the only one in saying, hey, here's how you treat each other. You remember James is a church leader. He's also hung out with Paul for a little bit, the Apostle Paul. These two church leaders, I don't know how much they talked about this subject or the topic of loving one another, but I'm feeling they did. If you were to open up your Bibles and actually go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians. So you're in James. You're going to have to head back towards the front of the, the New Testament. Not too far. There's another small book in there called Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Paul wrote uh, to the church of Ephesus and, and Ephesus. and basically the first three chapters he said, This is who God is and this is what God's done for you. This is who God is. This is what he's done for you. Then the last three chapters he's like, In light of who God is and what he has done... Here's how you should live. So that's what we pick up in chapter 4. In chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, lead a life worthy of your calling. You've been called by God. He's basically saying this. Listen, I have been shown grace. I don't deserve it. Everybody knows what grace is. Grace is getting something you do not deserve. We are entitled to hell. God loves us so much. He sent us on Jesus Christ to pay for the sin and the penalty of our sins and our, our mistakes. He says, I'll pay for it with my son on the cross. He paid for that for us. He gives us new life. When we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are saved. We are rescued out of the pits of hell and put into the presence of an almighty, eternal God. That's grace. That's why we say it's such amazing grace, because we didn't deserve it. So Paul's saying, I've received that grace. As a recipient of that grace, that changes me. Therefore, I want to now dispense that same grace to you, somebody I may or may not know. I want to share that grace with you. But he goes on to say this, and I was thinking about this, because he goes, I want you to live a life worthy of your calling. You've received grace, so show grace in everything you do. You married? Show grace to your spouse. You got kids? As a parent, you raise your kids with grace. You show grace in in how you treat others, your attitude, how you talk. When you're making decisions, in response to trials and things that come your way, you respond in grace. That's so hard, isn't it? That's why we do it together. We show grace together. I want you to think about this. The life of a Christian is not a me thing. It's a we thing. It is a we thing. It is community. We do not live in isolation. Christians cannot live in isolation. When, as I said, when you are saved, when you become a member of God's family, we are now brothers and sisters in Christ. Church, look around. These are your spiritual siblings. Whether you like them or not, 
Whether they annoy you or not. Listen, I got four brothers, one sister. We annoyed each other. We picked on each other, but we love each other. And that's the way it is, the body of Christ. When you look around this room and you look around at people in the first service, people that go to other churches that have given their life to Christ, that's your, that's your Christian brother or sister. That's your sibling. You may not have the best relationship. You may, like I said, you may, you may fight. But you must intentionally, intentionally look out for your brother or sister in Christ. Paul says in Ephesians 4, we are to grow, we are to mature. This is a journey. You don't pop a pill and say, ooh, tomorrow I will be a full-blown Christian, fully mature. Oh, I prayed that prayer, so I am now a full-blown perfect Christian, right? No, it's a journey. Until Christ takes me home to be in his presence, I am on a journey. And I will make mistakes. I always share them with you. You know, right? It's like publicly confess these things. Show you that I'm human. Matter of fact, when we were singing, I surrender all, I had my, my Baptist in me, had me walking down the aisle, coming up. I usually don't come up to the third song, but it's like, I surrender all. It's like, oh yeah, it's, right? Because that's what you do. When you know when you screw up, it's like, I need to go surrender it to God. Right? And I had that little walk. And I got up there, it's like, oh, we're only on the second song. Maybe God's reminding me. I got to keep surrendering him daily. Ephesians chapter four, verses two and three says this. Always be humble. Be gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. We're to live a life worthy of this calling. Live in relationship means we're going to dwell in unity. Unity. It's it's our unity that sets us apart from the world. It's our disunity that confuses the world. It makes us look foolish. Unity is uncommon. It is hard. I speak to a lot of teams. Next week, I'll be starting up these team times. I'll be working with teams. You know what the number one topic I talk to every team about, sometimes twice within one season? Unity. Teamwork. Because it's the hardest thing to achieve today. Even the greatest teams have problems. In the church, we are the greatest team. We really are. And we have problems at times. You know, you think about all the differences we have. We look different. Look around the room. We all look different. Different shapes, different sizes, different heights, whatever. We have different economic backgrounds. Some of, we all have different paychecks, right? Some of us, have, we have a different ethnicity in this group. Not big. It's, this isn't like the East Coast or West Coast, where you look around and everybody, you know, yeah, we, but we still have some people in a different ethnic background. We, we have some people in here that you roll your toilet paper over, some people roll your toilet paper under. You're different. Some of you are pet lovers in here. Some of you actually have cats. Don't know why. Just kidding. I'm going to get myself in trouble all morning this morning. I have a feeling. We're all different, right? And here's the thing. I welcome those differences. You should. Even if you are an Ohio State or Michigan fan, here's the thing. We can still get along with each other. We can still worship together, right? You know what the crazy thing is? Is that through all these differences, we are still able to worship. But you know what I've seen over the last year? If you have a differing opinion about the pandemic, mask, unmasked, vaccine, no vaccine, we can no longer worship together. And that has saddened me. Some of you in here have been vaccinated. Some of you haven't and you won't. Some of you wear masks, some of you don't. It doesn't matter to me. But for some reason, it matters to a lot of people. Enough that we can't be around each other. That is sad. 
The body of Christ should never function like that. We have so many differences, and God's called us towards unity. And I'm telling you, why am I bringing this up? Because I'm feeling like a second wave is coming around. We fought hard a year and a half ago. Love and unity, love and unity. I preached that over and over. And here we are a year later, and I'm sensing disunity. Not just here, globally, within America. It saddens me to see that we live in a time when we should be aiming towards unity, but we are letting things separate us. And, and that scares me. I don't understand why we have such hostility over such things that divide us. And here's the thing, church. You know what we have in common? The grace of God. The grace of God. Look at verses 4 and 6. For there's one body, one spirit, and you've been called by one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, in all, loving through all, one. Boy, that's unity. That's the grace of God that covers us all. In Christ, there is unity. The basis of our unity in Christ is greater than all the differences that are in this world right now. But we have allowed the differences to come up and rise to the top. We need to push those back down. Differences are differences, whatever they may be. But the unity in Christ needs to be reigning above all things. And we may have our external uniformity. That's okay. But we must have internal unity. And it's not easy. That's why Paul said, make every effort. Make every effort. Are you making the effort today to have unity? Are you, are you really trying? To do that, Paul says, we have to be a little bit more gentle with each other. We have to be patient with each other. We have to be humble. It's not, and I think maybe Jeff talked about this. It's not about thinking of yourself less. It's thinking less of yourself. It's looking out for others, you know, that you're humbling yourself. You're being patient with each other. Make difference for each other's faults. You know what that is? It's called tolerance. We tolerate things maybe we just don't like. And all this is by the power of God because I can't do it on my own. There ain't no way. I look around some of these things like, how am I going to do that, God? How can I put up with that? The guy's like, why don't you let my spirit help you? Because I know you can't do it on your own. And that's so true. And I'm not sure if I've been blind or I've turned the other way. I didn't realize it, but I just feel like it's, it's all around us. And, and we are people who must remind ourselves of this truth. Why are people not? 70-ish percent of the churches have come back. That's what they're saying right now. So that means there's about 30 to possibly 40% of the people who at the beginning of the pandemic have not come back to the church. And the question is why? A lot of people say, well, it's because of the pandemic. Is it? Or is it because of the disunity? I fear it's because of some of the disunity. Maybe we aren't getting along with other people in the church or this or that, or maybe we allow the issues of the world to separate us from the truth of God's word. And, and, and it's, you know, it's just, it's different now. And I was just thinking about this is like, I don't want to see that again. And I want our church to make sure that we lead the way in unity. We lead the way in love, that we lead the way in living that honors God. And if we need to make some changes in our life, seeking forgiveness, whatever it may be, then let's do it. Let's do it. We must demonstrate the grace of God during a time of disunity. And I know it's hard. Race, politics, economic differences, pandemic responses, all that. Here's what I think. I, I really feel like the church 
is like this big bonfire, right? And we're on fire and we're bringing light. But you ever know that if you take the wood out of the bonfire and sit it over here and sit it over here and spread it out, it eventually dies out real quick. I feel like the devil has just come up to the church and just kicked the church and it is just sort of blown out. It's time to come back in. It's time we heat back up. We're the body of Christ. Instead of falling to the wolves of this world, we should be different. Matter of fact, it goes on to say, it says to speak the truth in love, verses 15 and 16. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of the body of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts. That the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. Now, I've shared this with you before. Something I do with a lot of teams. We did this last year with a couple of teams. I said, okay, get up, partner up. Uh, get a partner, take your shoes off, untie your shoes. So all these kids are untying their shoes, taking their shoes off. they got a partner. Now, link arms with the person next to you. So, come on. So they link arms with the person next to them. Peace, everybody. There you go. So we got our arms linked together. Our shoes are off. They're untied. You've got which arm available to use? Right arm. Good job. I've got my left arm. So now what we're going to do is we're going to put our shoes back on and we're going to tie. You've got to use your right arm. I'm going to use my left arm. It's sort of hard to do, isn't it? Why would it be hard? We're not, like, thinking, the same. We're not thinking the same, are we? No. And what other, what, what did I take away from you? What can you not use? Can't use your left arm. I handicapped you, didn't I? That's hard, isn't it? Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. So we do that. With these teams. And so, you know, I I love doing this because after we get done doing this, we talk about how hard is it to be one body when we've handicapped the body. It's hard to function as one body should when I've taken something away and now I can't do it. And I need you to think like I'm thinking and we're trying to work together to accomplish something. And it's very difficult. And right now I feel like we have handicapped ourselves. We should never handicap ourselves. It would be insane for me to go around, kick myself in the leg, punch myself in the face and, and say, that's okay. That's insane. But if we're the body of Christ, if we make up the body, we function together. So when I pick on another Christian brother or sister, I'm handicapping the body. That's insane. And we wonder why the world looks at us and it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Church, that's why we must gather together. It's not a suggestion. That's part of our spiritual DNA. It's who we are. Isolation is no good. It's no good. And I was thinking about this. I've been in ministry, and I can't believe this. I'm getting old. I can't believe I'm saying this. I've been in ministry 31 years, 31 years. I, you know, it's like, wow, that's been a while. And in 31 years of ministry, you know, I've, I've seen troubles in the church. I've seen people get upset about the budget. I've seen people disagree about how something should be built or carpet or whatever might be in the church. I've seen uh, things in the church where maybe there was some kind of moral sin that, that hurt the church. Right? I've seen all that. But in 31 years, I've never had a season like this where a pandemic has actually crippled the church. I, I don't think that should happen. I, I don't think that should happen. I think as the body of Christ, we rise up. I think we recognize the grace that God's given us. And we start dispensing that grace better than what we've been doing. And we look around and say, what Christian brother or sister isn't here today? Why aren't they here? Did I say something to offend them? Have I been offended? It's going to be a part of life. 
Am I showing love to others? Have I, have I fully shown love to others like I need to show them love? How am I doing in dispensing the grace of God? Now, why does this matter? Why does this matter? And I know I'm going extra long. But let's go back to James chapter 4, verse 13. We'll wrap this up. The scripture says this. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town. We'll stay there a year. We'll do business there. We'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? It's like James is saying, instead of having all this pride about who you are and your position, and I'm better than that person, I'm going to talk bad about that person. You know what? Tomorrow's not guaranteed. You can make plans all you want. You can, but when you do that, you're basically saying, I don't need God. It's good to make plans, but you better include God in, this, in those plans. Charles Spurgeon said this. There are two great certainties about the things that come to pass. One is that God knows, and the other is that we do not. Truth, isn't it? James says this, in addition to that, in the next verse, your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while and it's gone. What, what are these guys saying? I don't know if tomorrow's guaranteed. So what do I need to take care of today? What do I need to take care of today? James says, consider the frailty of human life right now. The fact that we live and move only at the permission of God. He's not discouraging us from planning. But trying to make our plans apart from relying on God is, is not a good thing. Life is short. We must be diligent and energetic every day, making every effort. Every day. Are you making the effort? It's easy to not make the effort. I get there. I get it. I've been there, done that. But are we making the, are we making the effort? And we start with the small stuff. Some of you are like, I want to do big things for God. You want to know how you do big things for God? You start with the small thing at home. The small thing in your life. The small thing with your family. The small things at church. I want our church to be that light in this, in this community. Are you serving at the church? No. But I want our church to be the light in this community. How will this church ever be a light in the community if you're not serving? I want to do big things for God. Start with something small then. If we know what we ought to do and we don't do it, well, that's wrong, isn't it? And I believe that's why James is sort of wrapping up this chapter with that thought. You say you love God, you're drawn near to Him, good. Make sure you're loving others. Don't judge them. Time is short. We've all been there. Unfortunately, a couple of you here know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. When somebody passes away and you're sitting there saying, I wish I would have been nicer to them. I wish I would have told them I loved them. Before they left, I wish I could have done this for them. Oh, I know it was the right thing to do. What does James say? Then do it. I think we all know what we ought to do. So let's do it. Don't think you've got another week to get things right with somebody. How about starting today? Tomorrow's not guaranteed, by the way. We're pretty clear on that. Worship team, would you come forward, please? We may say something about someone that isn't good. We may not show somebody the love of God. And um, we know it. Just as I knew it. <laughs> as I drove down the road, I was thinking about this. You know, time's coming to an end. I, I don't know when my time is up. Clock is ticking. I need to make sure 
that my judgmental attitude needs to be more loving. I need to show more grace. It's not easy. It is so. You know what's really easy? Here's what's easy. Yelling through the woods at somebody I cannot see and then driving off. That is super easy. You know what I'm saying? Anybody can do that. Matter of fact, we all do that, right? But it's not right. It's not right. It's hard to love at times. It's hard sometimes to be unified as a church, but we must do that. We must do that. Amen? Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, that we could gather to worship you. I thank you that we could open up the word. And, and God, I know like even today, this is what I was convicted of last week. This is the things that I've chewed on for a couple weeks. And God, I just sort of felt like it all came to a head this week when it was like, this needs to be shared. And as we're in James, I don't think it's a coincidence that we came to this point in the book of James and the things that need to be shared. And God, I know sometimes as I read through James, I feel like James is just you know, sucker punching me and stepping on my toes. But God, if, if I didn't feel that conviction, I'd probably go on living in a way that's not honoring you the way it could be honoring you. So God, I pray that these words today from your word are just speaks to us, God. And God, I thank you for this church. So thankful to be back. God, you know that when I'm away, I miss this church. I miss the people here. It's always good to be back. God, help us to be a church that truly loves you and worship you and a church that loves others. We're not perfect, but God, we are on a journey together. My brothers and my sisters here, Lord, help us to grow closer to you, Lord. Help us to love you in a way that honors you, Lord. Lord, we bring all these things to you. We thank you for this time. Lord, we want to sing to you now. We want to worship and praise you with this final song. In thy name we pray. Amen.